Bing bong, it's time for another episode of How I Got Tinnitus. Hey everyone, and thanks so much for joining me again on How I Got Tinnitus. Today on the show we have Chris Devine, who's a multi-instrumentalist, composer, and actor. A mutual friend put us together, thought we might have a good conversation, and sure enough we hit it off. Chris is currently working on a Jethro Tull tribute act that I'm really excited to go see later this week. Me and my dad listened to a lot of Jethro Tull back when I was a kid. And I remember going through a bunch of my dad's old tapes and I found their album A Passion Play, which is just one continuous track. I think it's about 45 minutes long. And on an old cassette, you had to just flip the tape and it just continue this endless track. There, I think there's one part where Ian, the flute player and singer, um, is, is like reading Snoopy comics or something. And it's pretty strange. But it's kind of set the tone for me early on in terms of what one could do when making music and albums and artistic endeavors altogether. I was really into sound just from any source. And I used to be one of those people who just carried a microphone around with me and recorded some wacky stuff. Probably very influenced by that Passion Play album. But anyway, Chris is going to be performing as Ian in this Toll Tribute Act. And I'm really stoked I've been listening to a lot of their kind of harder hits. I, I know that Tull is one of those bands that's all over the spectrum. Um, I, I tend to love when they play some hard-hitting, almost like hard rock, heavy metal sort of stuff. Ooh, it's so good. Locomotive breath. Very, very good. Anyway, hope y'all are doing good. I've had another good week. Been staying busy. Lots of hiking up hills, uh, went on a really nice bike ride with some buds the other day. What else? I've been grilling and chilling. Uh, the weather's really nice right now, and I never really was a big grilling guy before. I mean, as a kid, I helped my dad a lot with the barbecue pit on Sundays, but uh, this is this year. It's taken quite the turn, and it's it's been really nice. I just am so happy when I'm grilling and cooking for myself and my friends and family. It's really nice, and has been a good way for me to add some positive experiences to the day to day. And I've found, as I've said before, that that's very helpful in me getting over my tinnitus. Speaking of getting over tinnitus. Some tinnitus news. Actually, nothing too hard-hitting today. Uh, As you might hear in a few minutes when Chris gets to talking, when we were setting up this podcast recording session, Chris and I were getting to know each other a bit, and we started talking about membership to the American Tinnitus Association. Uh, Chris was telling me all about it, 50 bucks donation, and you get... Some Tinnitus News magazine sent to your door, and you're just in the loop with the nation's leading um, association, I guess you could say, trying to address tinnitus. So I went ahead and signed up. It took me like two clicks. We'll see what comes of it. I'm hoping that the magazines will be nice and juicy and give us all sorts of tasty bits of tinnitus news. But what else? I was lurking on the ATA website again and happened to notice they have this little news section. But back in the earlier part of the year, there was this piece of news about Texas Roadhouse doing this partnership with the ATA. And although the promotion's over with, it's it's all done for now, but from January 1st to March 31st, 2022, purchasing a Texas Roadhouse ATA gift card means a 10% donation to the American Tinnitus Association. So even, even though it's all done and over with, I think it's kind of cool that a big restaurant group like that went ahead and was offering this opportunity through a cross-promotion for people to donate to the ATA, and that's some good visibility for a good cause. 
and it's from a pretty big restaurant group. And they're also responsible for some other restaurants, including Bubba's 33 and Jaggers. Those might not be in my region, but they might be in yours. So, you know, maybe keep an eye out if you're looking to support restaurants that support tinnitus research. I don't think there's a ton of those. Speaking of tinnitus and restaurants, um, let me, I want to pull this up because I've been talking with some folks about this recently. There is this company out in California. I want to say they're called Meyer Sound Labs. Meyer Sound. Yeah, Meyer Sound. And they do a lot of professional audio stuff. But um, I believe I talked about this recently with some restaurant folks. But they worked on this restaurant called Komal in Berkeley, California, I want to say, and did these really interesting sound design things, measuring the acoustics and everything in this restaurant space, and working to create an environment with this complicated network of speakers and microphones, uh, where the restaurant always sounds lively and upbeat and like there's something going on, but while also taking steps to lower the average sound levels of um, the restaurants. And I think that's an important thing. Coming up in restaurants myself, they can get loud. And I know when I was younger, I really craved louder restaurants. I thought it was like a cool thing to do. And I, I there's a lot to be said for that kind of hustle and bustle and the commotion lending this air of excitement. But we really want to, for the sake of the customers, as well as the people staffed at these restaurants, be a little more critical about these these elevated sound levels and take some time to address that. I One of the pages I follow on social media is the Soundprint app. And those folks are doing this pretty interesting project of, of encouraging users of the app to uh, use their phones to register the decibels of various public places, and all of that data is collected and shared through the app. I went to their website just now, and it says, Soundprint, like Yelp, but for noise. So the Soundprint folks were posting on social media this past week about some hazardous sound levels in restaurants in Las Vegas, and that a, a large portion of restaurants are just at unsafe volumes for extended periods of time. So, And I've been, unfortunately, seeing a lot of data that supports that. There are a lot of loud and noisy bars and restaurants out there. And, and listen, I love going out. I really love it. But what can we do um, as a bunch of folks who care about making the world a safer place? So... It's just something to think about, cool app to check out, cool social media stuff to check out as well. So, yeah, a little more celebrity tinnitus news. You know, I love it. I, I've been a little late to the conversation, but I just thought, since it's so big in the news these days, how's Johnny Depp doing? Does Johnny Depp have tinnitus? Funnily enough, I found... This little bit of news about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard teaming up with this. Um, let's hold on. Hold on. Johnny Depp Starkey. Yeah. Okay. So I heard this news bit about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard teaming up with the Starkey Hearing Foundation and supplying a bunch of people with hearing aids in South America, Brazil. And that was in back in 2018. Thought that was pretty wild. But I, I wasn't satisfied. I had a hunch. So I kept looking. I kept looking. I found this weird tweet that someone posted not too long ago. And it says, reminder, Johnny Depp has an ear condition called tinnitus, which is random ringing in the ears. Like, oh, yeah, we all get it. And there seems to be some dialogue from the courtroom. 
I was a little confused about that. I, I mean, I, I know some people like to take, for instance, a lot of people cite Trent Reznor as being someone who's living with tinnitus. And I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't really found a definitive article where he addresses that in in plain English. He has a lyric that a lot of fans point to where he says, I can still hear the ringing in my ears or something like that. You know, un until someone goes out and talks about tinnitus specifically, I remain a little doubtful. But I did find this interview from Arizona State University. And um, let me just see. I, I want to name Lawrence Krauss conducted this very long interview with Johnny Depp. It, it seems to be a two-parter. It's on YouTube, and it's not short. Let me see. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's about two hours long. There, there seems to be a, a second part video. So I watched this clip, and he talks about being really into music early on, since the age of 12, and, um, you know, his whole relationship with silence. And... And so he he directly mentions having tinnitus and uh, talks about how it's a little uh, off-putting, I guess you could say. I, I also learned some things about how he has this tendency to work on set with an earpiece playing all sorts of different things, sounds or music, to help him act diff better. Um, so, uh, he, ha he has this whole thing about like listening to bombs or bagpipes or something, and he wants to convey some emotion in his eyes. So, I don't know. Thought that was kind of interesting. I wonder if he and Amber Heard were motivated during that time to supply these, I think, 200 people with hearing aids because of his tinnitus. I don't know. Pretty interesting. Anyway, enough yammering from me. Let's get to the interview with Chris Devine. Um, I want to thank Chris again for taking the time to speak with me. Super knowledgeable fella. And it seemed like we were just getting started when I had to cut the interview short. So maybe one day we'll get to hear from Chris again. I know what I'm going to try and chat him up when I go see him later this week in the Toll Tribute. So here we go, interview with Chris Devine. And I know that some people are a little more quiet and some people are a little more vocal about tinnitus. And so I was really interested to hear the perspective of what seems like a prolific musician who uh, who's also dealing with this, but also seems pretty vocal about it. You told me about your membership to the ATA, the American Tinnitus Association. Correct. Yep. I, I'm surprised I haven't even gotten there. So I, I looked into that and I'm going to sign up this week. So yeah, they're totally, uh, totally worthwhile. I mean, they, they are definitely uh, very invested in trying to find, you know, of course, when we talk about tinnitus too, we have to say it's, it's a collection of symptoms rather than an actual, diagnosable disorder right so that i mean that is one thing that i think people should understand it's a it's a range of symptoms of and severities yeah that's a really interesting element of it a lot of people are inclined to uh initially refer to it as a condition or a disease or something that but it really is a symptom so an indicator that something else is wrong right Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, you know, even amongst all the audiologists and the experts, there's not necessarily agreement about even what exactly it is. Is it an ear? Uh, is it an affliction of the actual inner ear? Is it the brain? Is it a combination of the two, which is I kind of I think the preponderance of the thinking is that that is indeed what it is, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. there's been uh, damage to the cilia and the cochlea and uh your brain is looking 
for input in that range of frequencies, not finding it and filling it in. Right, right. Um, that's that's the general thinking right now. But uh, anyway, back to the uh, <laughs> we can we can talk about that kind of stuff, and certainly. <laughs> Some of this I am not really scientifically qualified to discuss, but uh, the ATA is definitely very, uh, very worthwhile organization to belong to. I think it's fifty dollars a year now. You get a nifty full color magazine. I think four times a year uh, with a variety of articles, some some contributions from uh, you know ordinary people who are sufferers, their experience, uh, articles from audiologists some uh, some fairly mm, scientifically reading papers but not too much of that kind of stuff contacts for people within the you know, I'll call it the tinnitus community yeah um, places you know places that have uh, that have you know various meetings uh, eh, counseling sessions that kind of thing so, right. so I totally recommend it yeah for anybody that's dealing with this 50 bucks a year it's totally worth it yeah, and, and you're doing something worth. Well, you could feel you're doing something worthwhile for your own condition. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, can you tell me a little bit about your story and you know when you first noticed your tinnitus and and uh, you know what you, you might think might have contributed to its onset? Sure. Sure. Well, I've been a, a professional musician for over forty years, um, and. Uh, you know the I, I would say one of the so I play I play uh, classical and electric violin guitar of both kinds of that to uh, flute saxophone keyboards uh, I've been in some fairly heavy duty rock bands I've also done a lot of orchestra work quartets that kind of so I've I've covered a wide a wide span of uh, the music world in my career. Um, and so the iron, one of the ironies probably for me in terms of the ground, the groundwork that was laid for tinnitus, which I think is part of it, uh, as I understand it, um, was that although I did spend a fair amount of time in bands, you know, with, with drummers hitting cymbals with, uh, you know, big amplifiers, big PAs, fairly big shows. Um, I think a lot of the groundwork for, for my tinnitus was laid by, ironically, playing Bach and Brahms. Because, <laughs> yeah, I know. Because an acoustic violin actually puts out, uh, if you're playing forte at, at the frog, which means near, with, with the greatest amount of force, um, over 100 dB. Wow. Literally inches from your ear. Yeah. Um, when you're doing quite aggressive, like either romantic concertos or even some of the courting in Bach is, uh, is quite forceful. And you're doing this for hour after hour, day after day, year after year. I would notice sometimes if I had worked on a particularly aggressive passage, I would hear a little ping after I'd been working it, but it would go away. You know, so I didn't think too much of it. I was like, yeah, I'll just take a break for the rest of the day. Um, but I did, I actually did have a precipitating event that was recognizable. And that was, eh, well, I was probably in my early 50s, maybe 51, whatever, um, playing with a Mahavishnu Orchestra tribute band, which some people... Older people may know what that is. Anyway, a very, uh, very virtuosic fusion, instrumental fusion rock band that we, whose material we were covering. Um, and just at the end of a song, you know, our drummer, who was a wonderful drummer, but very aggressive with the cymbals, just he, he did a, a heavy roll on the cymbals at the end of the song. And we, you know, we're doing one of those kind of climactic endings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the chord died, the song was over, and I heard just the and the fee, and there was something, I had an intuition right then, I was like, uh, this, this isn't right, this is like different than the usual after the gig ring, which was not always that, always uh, unprecedented, this felt like, this felt different, mm -hmm. and indeed, that was the moment I lost silence forever. Wow. And so what year was that? Did I miss that? I would say 2012, 2011, maybe. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was it like in, you know, the days and weeks following that gig? Was it? Yes. Yeah. Well, I began to notice for one thing, you know, a, and this has subsequently abated. So I do need to let people know that might be having similar feelings, uh, uh, sort of a torn paper set, uh, sensation, uh, on high amplitude, meaning volume loud, uh, sounds particularly anything that was high pitched i would i would find my it was actually physically painful and this is when i began to uh notice like that particularly things a sound that i love like women's laughter would just absolutely knock me dead um i couldn't be around it um and just anything like that children uh clattering dishes rattling silverware uh because in combination with this i developed the the at the same same time i developed what's uh well my audio i call it hyperacusis she says it's something else i I guess i should trust her terminology at any rate any sort of it any sort of uh sudden high-pitched clattery type noise makes me jump out of my skin Mm mm-hmm um, and particularly then before I became acclimated. Um, and that in a way was actually the, the most difficult symptom to deal with. Uh, and that, that has taken the more time to get used to than just the, just the ring, which is constant mm-hmm. in that fortunately only on my left side so far, largely anyway. Um, Sorry, did I go off the track here? No, no, that's, that's the, great. No, no, it's you're great. asking about the initial, the initial uh, acclimate. This is anyway. So I did, I did go to an. I had had an audiological eval even before the precipitating event. Um, I did go back. You know, I had definitely had loss in the five thousand to eight thousand k range. A real, fortunately, everything else seemed pretty baseline normal for uh for a person my age but there's yeah there's definitely a, a crater right in that uh that range so you know closing the barn door after the horse is gone i got musicians plugs custom molds uh with 9 15 and 25 db cuts that i can interchange within the, the actual molds um and anybody that's that's dealing with this or First of all, I would say if you're not dealing with this and you're hearing this podcast and you're in a a high amplitude environment, a high noise environment or electric music or possibly even acoustic music, if you're a string player such as myself, I strongly recommend like whenever it's possible and bearable, just, you know, use some sort of hearing protection, get musicians plugs. It's they're probably like three hundred dollars now. You know, they make a custom impression of your ear canal, so it fits absolutely perfectly, uh, unlike things like Eargasm or Heroes or and the Foamies that are cheap, and I, I do use those at the time, but they don't really give you the best, uh, they don't give you a very good sonic reproduction, so for music, they're terrible. For mowing the lawn, they're fine, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I diverted again. Sorry. No, no, it's it's great. <laughs> I, I on the on the subject of the custom molded, I do think that the um the the discrete the visibility factor is also very helpful because I maybe not all people who are dealing with something going on with their hearing are dealing with this, but you know that the vanity aspect of not wanting to be that person with these big things sticking yeah out. right 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 so yeah. I, I that's that's another big reason why i recommend sure the yeah and the and the right the custom my molds are transparent so i mean they're visible but they're not something you would notice right off the bat yeah i i zoom in on a lot of photos of musicians playing as a matter of fact i uh in anticipation of this interview was looking up some of your performances and I saw a really great performance you did uh, with the Hawks and Reed resonate sessions and just that the clarity of the sound and some of the brightness of those notes. I wondered if you were wearing earplugs even in that session because so I was playing the acoustic, what playing like the 
classical. Yeah, an acoustic piece. Oh no, no, I'm sure I didn't have plugs plugs in for that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I wouldn't. I wouldn't need them for that. Oh, that's and, good to hear. Yeah, yeah, but no, I don't. I don't need to wear plugs when I'm playing an acoustic guitar because it's aiming. It's aiming the other way. the The overall, you know, amplitude of the sound is not is not high, and uh, so. No, I, it's mainly when I, I, you know, and believe me, I love drummers. Well, good drummers. I love drums. But it's when I have to be around cymbals, snare drums, horns, literally, uh, meaning brass, like ones that are aimed up into the air. Saxophone, for some reason, doesn't bother me. And I do play the sax. Um, but if I have to be around players of those instruments, uh, then I, I definitely have to have the plugs in. Um, one of the things I think that, that's, that's important too, is like, it depends again, who's, who's listening to this, you know, but in the early, the early days of onset, there definitely is, uh, uh, an inclination to try and stuff the world out somehow, you know, put plugs in wherever you go. I mean, I have to wear my musician's plugs in, like in a noisy restaurant or something like that. But uh, <clears throat> as much as you can possibly take it, I would say, you know, in, in ordinary sonic situations, try not to shield yourself too much because it's going to keep your adjustment period. Uh, it's going to prolong that, I think. And this is, I guess, what I want to talk about my own experience with this now that it's been over 10 years is that. For most of you, you will adapt to this. You will you will find a way out of it. I know how hellish it is. I know how it can sort of loom over your entire life. And again, everybody's experience is different. Everybody's inner volume of this is different, or they're just their uh, capacity to 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 handle it. I understand, but I I guess I just want to reach out to those that are hearing this right now and uh, let you know, A, you got a lot of company and B, you are going to adapt to this. You are, it is going to recede such that it's always there, but you're not always going to notice it. I think that's what, what we need to talk about is it's a, uh, you know, it's an affliction of perception, right, right? right? So if that, if your attention is diverted, and you're and you're acclimated. It's not going to loom over your life as much. You're going to know how to deal with it in those situations that uh, that it's most bothersome. Like for me, loud rehearsals, loud concerts, loud restaurants, loud parties. I have my plugs. I put those in if I need them. I can still hear, but it's not painful. Right. So I could be in that room full of women laughing their heads off, which I love, love my favorite sounds in the world. If I put in the plugs, I got a 15 dB cut. Now, you know, I have a little bit of trouble hearing conversations, but I can be present. I can be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that initial adjustment period and the in my case, and maybe it was already part of my internal programming was the hypervigilance and worrying that everything was doing some form of harm. And so that being scared all the time really greatly contributed to the negative impact my tinnitus had on me. So yeah, it's only been about a year since mine got to a point where I was deeply troubled by it. But even in that year, I've seen so much change and uh, I, I feel a lot better about it, despite focusing so much of my time and attention on tinnitus through this podcast and the way that I try to spread awareness. But, um, yeah, I, I do think yeah, that, yeah. Oh. go ahead, go ahead. No, I would, I don't mean to interrupt you. I was just, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, everybody's onset is different. It sounds like yours was more of the creeping kind where right, you yeah, started I, like it, you just noticed like kind of the next morning that, unlike previous mornings it hadn't completely gone away or something like i don't know what right i well what had happened with me was i i definitely was aware i had had it just like your uh experience with the symbol role and and noting 
oh, this isn't right. This something has changed. Something is different. That had happened to me a couple years prior to the more recent uh, onset. And I managed to accept that really quickly. And despite being a bit of a, I, I, I wouldn't exactly say hypochondriac, but I, I worry about my health from time to time. I managed to just go like, okay, whatever. And I educated myself a little. I started collecting stories of celebrities that had it here and there. But for the most part, my quality yep. of life didn't seem affected. And then maybe accompanied with a, a very stressful event, um, I just woke up one morning and I honestly sort of think that it, my brain just started kicking around and was like, what can we worry about now? And it was like, oh, look at this thing and just put it like right front and center. And then it just became this. Right, right. Thing. Sure, sure. I mean, we should, I mean, we certainly could talk about and console or whatever that there is, there's a definite emotional component to this thing. Um, that's very, it's very complicated and neither you nor I are probably qualified to, to talk about it other right. than our, our direct, you know, our direct experiences. But, uh, um, it, it is something that, that I think, you know, it, it's probably is some consolation to understand that it is a very complicated affliction. I'm going to just use the word affliction. I've, yeah, I don't know what syndrome, set of set of what it, uh, symptoms, however you want to describe it, but uh, and 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 it involves you know it's it's physical, it's emotional, uh, it's it's mental, and uh, you know it, it's important to understand it on on from all those perspectives so that you don't feel so overwhelmed by it it's everybody it's a universal experience right and and one of the treatments that's helpful for some people it didn't really work for me just probably more because of my personality than anything else is cognitive behavioral therapy um has been very useful for some people again you're trying to just we should accept that there's damage that's been done somehow that's probably not fixable. So it's how do you deal with it? Yeah. Day, right. This yeah. is this is more. This is what you have control over, right? It's like it's one of those like they say in AA, right? It's like it's like I'm powerless over the addiction, but I'm I have power over myself, right? Um, this is what I found has has worked for me, and that I think most people. Certainly, when I read articles about other sufferers, this is their experience too. It's like I've I've come, I came to accept it. I figured out what I could and couldn't do. Uh, I almost, I almost embraced, I embraced the ring, you know, in a way. Yeah. Like if you don't, if you don't sit there hating your own, your own, the inside of your own skull, and instead just say, "Well, oh, there's my friend." Yeah, my friend. That's, that's <laughs> the my friend that eight thousand k ring that I know so well, or whatever. I don't even know what I, I identified what my actual core frequency was at one point, but um, and just well, there it is. If it's bothering me, I'll try to get into a situation where it's not bothering me. You know, either have some light music on, just busy myself, occupy my mind some other way, and then it'll it will abate. Yeah, yeah. It, it is funny you mentioned um, like the AA and the little friend. It's funny how these these little like aphorisms are so much a key to uh, dealing with tinnitus. I, I remember growing up seeing those signs that people hang in their kitchens, like home is where the heart is and stuff like that. <laughs> and you read the thing and certainly that's why phrases like that stick around for so long, but they have these layers of meaning. And I found that through tinnitus, like I, I have recited the serenity prayer to myself from time to time going, maybe this will help with me understanding my tinnitus. And it's just so strange. It feels like corny and trite from time to time, but 
yeah, uh, treating tinnitus as your friend, because if you're, if you're in this oppositional stance for a prolonged period of time, all you're doing is feeding into the stress part and just exacerbating it sure. and, and yeah. you're, you're witnessing it louder. Yeah. And I think, I mean, a c- component of that too is like, okay, this sucks so bad. How am I going to possibly handle this if it gets worse? Right. 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 Um, and I, I totally, I totally understand that. I, I can only approach it as it, it well could, it might just hold this baseline for the rest of my life. If I'm lucky, Hey, if I get insanely lucky, there's some technological advance or God knows something just happens in my head and it stops. Yeah. But should it worsen? Well, I'm really good at knowing how to deal with it now. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm that I'm that much better equipped. Yeah, that that is through this experience to know how to deal with it. Should it worsen? Should it creep into my right ear? That's you know that is something I fear. It's like, oh man, you know, because I'm pretty. I'm I got a, like a distant, distant one in my right ear, but it's really not. It's nothing to speak of. It's 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 ninety five percent on my left side. So your violin ear. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. My violin, and that's also you know every. I've been on stage, right? Like in every band I've ever been in. So it's all, all the drumming, all the, all the, you know, cymbal rolls and crashes happened on my left side as well, as well as, you know, over loud guitar players too on my left. Yeah. I played violin for a short period in high school in, in a a school sponsored mariachi band. Oh yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and and I just remember, even with my short time playing the violin, it was so interesting just to stick my ear in there and how you can hear all those teeny tiny creaks of the of the bow along the string, and our ears, especially before we've experienced any damage, have this tendency to want to like dive into that sound and go in as deep as we can right like like some haphazard spelunker uh mm-hmm. some of us find our way back out and some of us uh need a rescue team right right yeah. i mean it's funny how i mean i don't know it's maybe it's probably has more to do with the specific notches of my hearing loss but i have definitely found like when i play acoustic violin not purely just to uh subdue amplitude but uh i put my musician's plug in my left ear i don't need it in the right Mm -hmm. um because what was happening was uh my like what you referenced my my ear was finding the worst qualities of of the sound my left ear was somehow was like it was picking out whatever flaws there were or uh it wasn't it wasn't getting like the sexy richness of the violin, the left ear. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I subdue its, its sensitivity with the, with the plug, I'm basically hearing the instrument with my right ear. I'm like, it was like, it was like I had gotten a new violin, right? I was like, Oh yeah, that's what this thing used to sound like. I was, I was like, I got my instrument repaired and like had it sound post adjusted, tried to, you know, got a new bow. I tried a lot of things uh, and it was not working. Uh, but that actually worked. I was like, oh, well, like I'm reaping an additional benefit from this uh, musician's plug, which is kind of a new lease on the, this violin that I used to love that I thought was uh, somehow was failing me, you know? Yeah, and it, it, that's that I've had a similar experience, not necessarily with my instrument itself, but just sound in general. When I put on those musician plugs, like I was at a pretty noisy birthday party that was held at a at a loud bar recently, and everyone was screaming over each mm-hmm. other just to be heard. And I was like, it's time, put them in. I, I switched out from my 7 dB to my 14 dB attenuation blockers. And I was I was great. I felt so relaxed and cozy. I felt like I was basically in my living room and everyone was screaming, but I could hear everything so clearly and I wasn't worried. And it's just so wild to think of the times before where I would have been like, put something in my ears. How am I going to enjoy the right, right, right. It, it is. It, and I guess that, again, you know, 
the people that probably most here need to hear our conversation, JD, right now are not people that already have the problem. You know what I, I mean? Know. I because, know. and this is where it gets back to an evangelism. I mean, I carry, of course, like I carry a man bag full of, you know, like Batman's utility belt, wherever I go, various things. But one of the things I have a bag full of foamies, you know, just the usual, like 35 DB is yeah. the little cheapy foamies. Yeah. That are effective. They just don't deliver a good sonic experience uh, overall. And I I hand those out at every opportunity. If uh, you know, if I'm at a concert, whatever, I see people don't have them. Particularly younger people. Mm -hmm. Older people seem to be you know because so many people like my age or older have some kind of hearing problem. Then uh, they may already have hearing aids, so they can just attenuate that way. But. Uh, uh, and I have to say, I think I think that there is a uh, there is a growing wisdom about this issue amongst the young folk. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I know my daughter. Of course, my daughters are you know they've been had to deal with me dealing with this. So that's been a, an object lesson, I think, for both of them. But uh, you know, particularly my younger daughter, who's uh, well, she's twenty two. Um, she also does this. She always has plugs in. It shows. She says it's unusual that her peers are wearing them. She tries to get people to do it, but she says she feels very uh, vulnerable if she does not have them on when there's electric electric music going on in front right. of her. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it is becoming cooler to take care of oneself and you know hydration, etc. So. I, fortunately, I do think that we are at the beginning of, of a, I don't know if generational shift is exactly the term, but I, I, I think fortunately we will see some positive change. And you're totally right about the people who need to be hearing this, you know, like me 15 years ago, aren't going to be tuning in unless something can, yeah. can you know, break the conversation into a wider stream. And th that's kind of my approach has been to, uh, you know, be a little expansive in the conversation and just hear, hear things out. And uh, hopefully that it'll, it'll help it creep into other channels. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, you're never going to, I mean, obviously, you know, when you, when you're young, you know, you're immortal and invulnerable. And right. we, yeah. we all, we all I, I know I was, we all had that. We all were, you know, I, I totally get it. I don't, you know, I don't think, ah, well, wait till you're my age, Buster. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I totally, it's just an, it's just a function of, of how we uh, develop. But I think, yeah, I think there is at least an incremental growing and in, uh, development of wisdom about this issue uh amongst everybody i think that there's also been a phenomenon of hearing damage from you know uh ear pods oh my gosh yeah. right right that this this injection of amplitude directly yeah. into the ear canal that's been a thing now for well going on 20 years yeah pretty much now right whatever the first uh ipods started coming out and people started wearing those a lot i mean they people had you know, they would wear those little headsets with their Walkmans or whatever back in the day, but that at least there was some airspace around those. There wasn't right. this needle of sound going right into your ear canal. And in my experience, those AirPods has a, it, it isn't like the, the greatest quality. It's a, a tad bit tinny. And yeah. you yeah. can only make, you can only, you know, right. You can only get uh, frequency so low out of a speaker that size it's just not possible you know so. i i recommend to so many people who just are interested in sound to listen to um oliver sacks musicophilia um which has a lot of really interesting stories of the healing power of music there is a, a mention of tinnitus in the book but he goes after uh earbuds at every chance he gets. And I, I happened to listen to the book uh, in audio form and the, 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 the narrator, you, I mean, you must hear the word earbud or iPod, like, like a hundred times per chapter. He's just vicious about him. And he okay. doesn't. Yeah. Well, I think he was totally, totally right. Yeah. And I think uh, going hand in hand with that, as long as we're mentioning the iPod and that whole revolution is like, you know, the MP3, which, 
you know, basically compresses everything to uh, so that there's very few dynamics in the music, right? There's sort of zero. Uh, and even a friend of mine who's a, uh, an audio engineer would explain this much better than I can. But, uh, you know, where we where there really used to be real peaks and valleys in amplitude in, uh, you know, records on, on LPs or, or whatever, the, the MP3 technology kind of, it subtracts a lot of those uh, nuances in the music and, and uh, cumulatively uh, is very fatiguing to the ear. Right, in a, right. In a way that we might not even perceive. Yeah, and they talk about. There's also talk about the the compression wars. Uh, you know, yes, right. Like, Trying to get things the, the the number higher and higher so that yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I, I would, know what you're talking about. Yeah, I would love to speak with an audio engineer, um, because like my question to you earlier about your acoustic guitar and if you need earplugs for that, I would really love to better understand. Um, you know, the force of sound. And I have a decibel reader on my phone, which isn't the most accurate. Um, and I use it a lot, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that occasionally I'm not getting a really accurate representation of exactly, it might be this many decibels on my cheap, on my free decibel reader app, mm. but what is actually harmful? I would love to understand that more. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I had a dedicated... Uh, instrument for that you know the uh i don't have since misplaced it because i you know as i adapted better to to situations i didn't really feel i needed it anymore and like you yeah i do have the app uh again and right it's probably not only it's like the app itself is probably not that accurate but neither is the microphone built into your phone yeah yeah, probably yeah, yeah that yeah. accurate yeah. either yeah. But I think it gives you a general idea. You know, it's probably, and you know, I mean, you know how the dB scale works. That uh, you know, every every ten is twice, actually twice as loud. So right, right, yeah. And ninety wish. and ninety and a hundred. Yeah, I uh, wish that warning came with my Fender Twin Reverb. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had one of those. I used to have one of those too. I mainly I just got rid of it because I was sick. Of, it was just too heavy. I, yeah, got yeah. Tired of, I got tired of picking it up. Uh, um, uh, Chris, I, ju I just want to give a heads up. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to. I figured we have to. I got to get going anyway. But uh, cool. um, so, yeah, well, listen, it was a pleasure to meet you um, in context. I, you can cut this off. Of, you can cut this out. of. But I, I am playing a show this this coming Friday at Hawks and Reed if you want to come up. Yeah, no, I'm I'm told I'm I'm gonna come. I'm gonna go out with Aaron. Oh, good. You're gonna come with Aaron? Yeah, I've been listening awesome. to Locomotive Breath like every day. Oh well, don't do that. <laughs> you, that'll that'll give you tinnitus. Um, no, no, we will we will be doing that among many many others. It's uh, I'm I'm pretty good at doing this guy, and uh, and I got a good band behind me. Um, it should be very entertaining. So sick. Um, well, Chris, I, I thank you for your time. And I, I feel like we were just opening up this huge book and we have, we could go on for hours and hours. And, and I love all the little pieces of advice you gave. I was just wondering if there was anything you wanted to add, any message you might give to yourself 10 years ago or someone who's going through it or, or anything else you want to yeah. add about how? Yeah, ten. If I give my give myself the advice ten years ago, you know, pre obviously it would be get musicians plugs, get used to them, and use them. That would be my advice pre. My advice post is it gets better. It's that cliche that they they were you know that they were using to console some kids in crisis a few years ago, but. You will adapt. I guess that would be my three-word uh, aphorism. There, you know, you will adapt. You will adapt. Yeah, yeah. I, it's possible. It's possible. You know. Cool. All right, Chris. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, and pleasure to meet you. To seeing you in the Toll Tribute. Okay, and man. Cool. All right. Have a good day now. Yeah. You too. Okay. Bye, bye bye. So Bach and Brahms, huh? Knew those guys were trouble. Um, yeah, who'd have thunk it? Classical composer. Uh, you know, Beethoven apparently had tinnitus. I don't, I don't know how solid the records are. He did lose his hearing, but even a quick Google search 
says around age 28, he started to deal with tinnitus. I got this book from the library when I was a kid, and it was like a kid's big illustrated book, all these oil paintings, sort of caricatures of the classical composers, and each one had a page and all these goofy little stats, and it said that Beethoven's favorite food was mac and cheese, and... I was just so into that, and I wanted to be a Beethoven super fan or something. And I had this little crappy Casio keyboard, and I was always playing. Yeah, you know how a lot of those 80s and 90s keyboards had the demo song that was a popular song, and it would play all these different, uh, it would play the song using all the different instruments built into the keyboard well my song was the jitterbug or wake me up before you go you know that's a fun keyboard speaking of my uh, seventh birthday i was thinking today about doing a, a comic book about my tinnitus story i don't know i Someone tagged me in a post about a, a children's book featuring a kid who had tinnitus. I'm just interested. Does anyone know of any books or stories or anything out like that about tinnitus? I'd be interested to read it. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can drum something up comics-wise. Anyway, that's about it for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Um, go listen to Locomotive Breath or whatever your favorite Jethro Tull song is. Aqualung, that's a good one. Uh, what are there? Do I know any deep cuts? I, 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 I'm sorry to say. I'm, I'm pretty basic there. I just locomotive breath rips. It's so ripping. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I hope y'all are having a good one. Thanks so much. I have so many cool interviews in the works coming up. Uh, some interviews I've already recorded and some yet to be recorded and I'm really excited about both categories believe you me um and uh, as, as always I'd love to hear from y'all uh write in on the Instagram let me know what you're thinking love to hear your stories and um if there's anything you want to hear on the podcast I have a huge list of folks that I'm trying to invite onto the show and I'm just trying not to bite off more than I can choose. So bear with me. We're, we're going to get some stories told on how I got tinnitus. And that's it for now. Talk to you later. Later.